Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, well, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, very busy Friday for us. I hope uh, you're having a great uh, last day of the week before you head into the weekend, busy weekend of uh, rugby all around the place as well. Uh, we're going to reflect on that too uh, just after uh, the sermon that's coming up with uh, Wes Clark. He's the Black Ferns assistant coach, of course. Uh, he's the head coach of the Hurricanes Poor as well and the women's competition, very busy man. Been around the, the Black Ferns camp for uh, around seven or eight years now, Wes, so he'll know exactly where they're at as they go into this uh, weekend where they have uh, the first of a double header against Australia. At 9.30, we'll uh, open up the lines for a $50 chemist warehouse uh, voucher, and uh, we'll have uh, a number of things to talk about. You can think about it now. Uh, we haven't really had a chance to speak since the announcement about uh, Fozzie staying and Foster staying, so... Uh, get in on that if you like or what you're looking forward to over the weekend the Black Caps are struggling a wee bit uh, in the West Indies so plenty to talk about there Uh, we shall have an interview just after 10 o'clock with Steve Devine um, on what he regards uh, coming out of uh, the All Blacks camp now and uh, looking forward in particular now that we know what's what Aaron Goyle and uh, Sam Ackerman will be the panel this morning around about 10.20, and then after 11 o'clock, a fascinating interview with Justin Nelson. We all know Justin as our basketball commentator here on SENZ, but also uh, during the day, he's Sky TV's head of commercial, charged with the responsibility of making a better fan experience at sport around the country. So what is involved in that? And uh, we'll catch up with uh, Justin to find out about what he's been up to in that regard. Uh, 11.20, about 11.30 this morning, we'll talk to Erica Madison. Uh, from Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, that's uh, our weekly interview with one of the personalities in there. Looking forward to talking to Erica. And then we have a, a stump smithy, of course, a $100 uh, voucher from the TAB up for grabs this morning. And uh, just prior to, to handing over to Stephen McIver, towards uh, midday, we shall have a chat with Greg O'Connor regarding the harness racing action coming up today and over the weekend. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Well, you've probably been too busy to have noticed with all the rigmarole that's been going on at rugby headquarters over Fozzie and the gang, but the heart and soul of New Zealand rugby begin its season tomorrow. Heartland Rugby, aptly named with all its tributaries feeding into the bigger rivers that often provide tomorrow in the game, sets off on another season. It's a trek for many off the farms or forests or even deeper into the Utes to meet the bus and off to wherever they do battle with their peers who have very little but to play for, but so much at the same time. 
They need no more motivation than the trophies at stake that bear the names of the great ones, Meads, Lahore, Kirkpatrick and Osborne. You can't get any richer than that. Four giants of the game who rose to the top, off the land, or more humble beginnings. I don't know if they still scrap for the back seat in the bus, but God, they must build some spirit and fellowship, win, lose or draw on those seemingly endless jerseys, uh, journeys. Sorry, And I'll bet they still thank the ladies in the kitchen for the spread, give credit to the opposition and drink a bumper toast to finish it all off. That's where it all began and shouldn't be forgotten. Those blokes from those beginnings used to fill the all-black coffers, not with money, but with talent and excellence. Not many will rise from there these days because they've either been picked off already by now or will be never be seen, more's the pity. To borrow phrases from an interview you will hear later in the show, this is where the tribalism and fandom begins and dreams for a handful of young boys and girls. So it's a doff of the cap to you, Heartland Souls, as you begin another season, travel safe, play well, and continue to provide the spirit and essence of the game that some will never feel or acknowledge, but that Silver Lake money really should. Question is, will it? The road to the Women's Rugby World Cup continues as the Black Ferns get set for a two-match series against Australia starting this Saturday. First one in Christchurch at Oran Theory Stadium and then, of course, they head across to Adelaide, the beautiful Adelaide Oval. Back in June, they won the Pacific Four Series against the Aussies, the United States and Canada, scoring 16 tries over the three tests. There appears to be uh, a, a, a real essence that they're on the right track for this uh, big year for New Zealand Women's Rugby. But uh, are they? On the line with the Black Ferns assistant coach now is Wes, Wes Clark is with us. Wes, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm really good, mate. Uh, another opportunity for um, you and uh, um, uh, Wayne Smith and co, and, and the ladies, of course, to just get on track. Uh, tell us about the significance of the Laurie O'Reilly trophy, please, because I understand uh, for Wayne Smith in particular, it's, it's got some sentimental meaning. Yeah, look, Wayne was a really close friend of Laurie's, and I think Laurie had a massive impact on Wayne's coaching career. So, um, really special for him. I think he's he's excited about telling the players a few stories about Laurie. He's a bit of a character. I'm told I, I never met him, but I've heard he's been a, he was a bit of a character, um, but a beautiful man that gave not only to the women's game, but um, you know, to people around him in his community. So, um, you know, all the players are pretty excited about doing him the honour of, of, of you know putting out a good performance out there. Okay, so uh, coming off the back of the Pacific Four series, which uh, from the outside looking in appeared to be pretty successful, including a last uh, last victory against Australia, twenty three to ten. So, um, what have you been uh, basically up to since then? Well, you know, first we've had a couple of camps, obviously, and our players have been playing in the Far Palmer Cup, which has been exciting for us to watch. A few others have sort of put their hands up around the country as well, which is always great to see. I think, I think we're getting a good balance now um, of starting to solidify a few positions. You know, players becoming regulars and getting some good game time. But then around that, we're also bringing in some other players to, um, to give an opportunity to still push for selection for the World Cup. So that's creating a bit of edge in the group, which is fantastic. Um, and I suppose in our, in, our, in our coaching and that, we're starting to really solidify systems, etc. So you're feeling pretty good about you know, how we're tracking. Wes, you've also been able to introduce uh, a few players back from their Sevens campaigns uh, around the place. Uh, how's that integration gone? 
Yeah, it's been fantastic, mate. Look, they're, um, they're back, and like you said, particularly Teresa Fitzpatrick, she's played she played in the last World Cup. She, um, you know, she's played a number of test matches for us before. So, you know, giving her a chance to show where she's at is, is fantastic. And uh, Tyler, being the, the, you know, the consummate professional that she is, um, and vastly experienced with, you know, Olympic finals and World Cups and sevens, etc. They've added a lot to the environment. Um, so now it's, been, it's been great having them back in, and um, it's been pretty seamless, to be honest. If we get game specific, Wes, um, how's the preparation gone for this week on the back of uh, the last performance you had was against Australia? So what did you learn from that and how's the prep gone? Yeah, um, oh, it's, it's always a bit of a challenge in week one. Uh, the players have gone out of their environment and trained for their Palmer Cup provinces and there's new systems and structures and ways of doing things. So... There's a little bit of rustiness earlier in the week where you know we had to remind them on how we do things around here. Um, that was frustrating for everyone, but we had a fantastic day yesterday. Seems to be coming together nicely. Our leaders are fantastic. Uh, the Munster doing a great job with Kennedy Simon. So, um, yeah, I think we're in a really good space now. We're excited for the weekend, well, Kennedy- actually, because um, the, the intensity was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, Kennedy Simon, uh, you've elevated her to uh, co-captaincy status. This is not rare these days. A lot of uh, teams and a lot of national teams, etc., have co-captains. Uh, what prompted you to do that? Oh, look, firstly, she's you know she's one of the best in her position, um, whether it be seven or eight, or in the loose court anywhere really. So she was a player of the year last year. And the way she carries herself off the field, she's extremely professional. She never breaks standards. Um, in fact, she leads the standards, etc. So. And she's one of the first in her position. She's obviously come off an injury at the moment, um, but typically she's one of the fittest. So those are three pretty key uh, criteria for us in the leader. Um, and, you know, the group Bubba, um, she's a humble person that uh, tends to lead by her actions. And you know, Ruahe was absolutely fantastic during the pack four, but I think Smithy in particular is really keen on having co-captains to help take pressure off each other, uh, make decisions together and, you know, help each other through a World Cup. Uh, World Cup is, what, seven, eight weeks of, pretty intense scrutiny and it's, 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 it's always good when one person can take media for a week etc and, and, and share the load so uh, that's a lot of our thinking behind that Australia of course um, are one of the uh, teams you're going to meet in the World Cup um, and uh, that's uh, it's not that far away now 8th of October uh, at Eden Park uh, Wes uh, so you, the opportunity to play them another two times before that uh, will be huge, I would imagine. Um, what are Australia, what are their issues that uh, you have to deal with? Um, well, the first one is they're bloody strong ball carriers. So one of the things they do very well is they're aggressive in their carries. So, you know, defensively, attacking has to be on point. If you try and wrestle them up high, then uh, you tend to come off second best. So, you know, that's something we've really targeted this week. They've got a good kicking game um, in Arabella, their first five. She's got quite a long boot, so we've got to be mindful of that. Um, but but, but you know, for us, we, we're doing things that are so... Well, we, we think they're ingenuitive. We think they're pretty... Um, I wouldn't say radical, but exciting. Um, so we're hoping if we can get enough ball, um, you know, from a line out, then, then we can really run them around, uh, around the park a little bit. Where's uh, one of the issues uh, that came out of the, the Northern Tour at the end of last year was uh, uh, the, the dominance that um, England and France particularly had over uh, your forward packs as such. Are you confident that you're, uh, you are now rebuilding that forward strength to combat those sides? Because you probably won't, uh, well obviously now you won't have the opportunity to test yourself against them until World Cup time. 
Yeah, look, we've tested ourselves against each other. We've also had some training against um, the best of team teams, and even even this week we were doing some scrums against the Canary B boys. So um, yeah, I think we're going really well there, mate. Micron's done a fantastic job with Williams, and on the both the scrum and the line out, we've got some real depth in our front row now. Something we struggled with last year, and the body shapes of our our tight five has definitely changed dramatically since the end of the tour. Um, you know, we've had a full program and we've had more camps, we've had more resources, we've got great coaches and you know, a lot of that stuff just you know, wasn't there last year. We, we hadn't had any games, we had COVID, etc. So it was really disjointed, whereas you know, our build-up's been so much more, um, you know, the program's been a lot fuller and there's been a lot more support. So I think we're going pretty well in the tight five, to be honest. And like I said before, we're starting to get some consistency and selection there, so... Uh, you know, the, the two two of the three hookers, Georgia Ponson and Luca Connor, have played a number of games now. Uh, you know, and they're starting to really hit their straps, as an example. And Tanya Kunibali starting again as a tight head. Um, so, and, and that's a, a number of our front rowers have only played a few games. So I think five tests, five or six tests might be the, the most, but they've, they've played all those together now. So I think we're, I think we're coming together quite nicely. Overall, uh, for, if you look at the squad and, and those that have born, uh, been brought in around it and over the top of it, I'm talking Wayne Smith, uh, I'm talking about uh, Sir Graham Henry, etc. Um, ha- have you got out of it exactly what you hoped when you started to put this new framework together? Oh, man, it's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, the, 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 not only the experience, but the... Um, the knowledge base that these men have brought in has just been fantastic. The girls absolutely love them. They're, they're great personalities. They're giving personalities, um, and you know the resource they have around them. Uh, you know we, we've had we've got players being um, mentored or helped by you know World Cup winning All Blacks players, etc. So uh, that's that's all helped the the group be a lot stronger. So I think we've gotten more out of it than I would have imagined at the start, to be honest. Okay, so um, after this uh, this year. Uh two-match series. Of course, um, I'm not sure you've been to the Adelaide Oval. It's one of my favourite sports venues in the world, so uh, it's a terrific place. Um, after that, what op- what is the programme in terms of uh, what you will be wanting to do? How soon after that do you have to finalise? Well, oh, geez, I'm the wrong guy to ask about dates. Really. I think I tell you that every time we speak. <laughs> uh, but we've got a camp about uh, we've got a camp about two weeks, I think, after um, you know the Adelaide Test, and then I think there may be some announcements coming up of potentially another another game before the World Cup. Um, I can't say too much mm-hmm. about that. And then amongst that, um, you know, we're going to make sure that we're, we're training against, um, you know, some men's players, particularly around scrum and line-out, doing some of our more defense, et cetera, against bigger, stronger athletes. So typically men's teams um, in the build-up. And then, like I said, hopefully um, something else to announce before the World Cup as well. Has the, you know, you've been part of this uh, Black Ferns squad uh, since around 2015, which is a long, a long time. It's almost two World Cup cycles. Uh, where's I just wonder, is the game recognisable really since the, and the professionalism side of it since you first came into it? <laughs> it's changed dramatically, um, as you can imagine. Um, in 2015, I think you know players got paid something like I don't know, some three hundred dollars a day while on tour. Um, you know, to cover the mortgage while they're away, sort of stuff. Whereas we've got players now that are full-time professional. Uh, you know, the majority of our squad they're focusing on rugby. They're training in the daytime. They're getting the rest they need to be able to train at a higher intensity. Um, I think the Farah Palmer Cup this year has been ex- exciting. Um, the, the just the offload count alone in the Farah Palmer Cup is something ridiculous, like three times higher than in the past. 
and that's just in a few rounds. Um, so, you know, we're playing an exciting band. Our, our players are taking their knowledge and the style we want to play back to the Fire uh, Palmer Cup team. So, mate, it looks vastly different to me. It's, it's hugely exciting to be part of having come from 2015. Um, I mean, we did some great stuff, and I thought Ben Moore did great stuff winning the last World Cup, but um, some of our prep and the body shapes, etc., has, has definitely gone to the next level. It's really exciting for me, personally. You know Australia, and you'll know them even better by the time you front up against them in the World Cup, but what about um, other, other, the other teams that uh, you're confirmed to be playing against, the likes of Wales and Scotland? How much scouting are you able to do about them, Wes? You know, we've done quite a bit already. Um, obviously, they play in the Six Nations, um, they're always improving. I think Wales, I think maybe even this week, have um, you know, confirmed coaches or reappointed their coach and uh, made some more contracts available for their players as well. So you know, around the world, the women's game's growing, the professionalism in the women's game's growing. And the fact that those teams um, consistently play Six Nations and they have done through COVID has helped them get better all the time. Um, and as we know, when teams come to a World Cup, they, you know, they march behind their flag, their country's flag. So they always bring extra, they always bring more. Um, so it's going, to be a, it's going to be a challenge for us, um, but an exciting one because we'll be the same and we'll be doing this in our own country. Uh, Wes, uh, aside from uh, victories on the scoreboard and, and uh, hold, getting that Laurie O'Reilly cut back uh, and, and your uh, position as, as well, what are the, uh, the individual areas uh, perhaps you in particular will be looking at as you look down from the coach's box over the next two weeks? Oh, gee, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, the first thing is we're looking for bravery on attack. Like, we're pretty structured as we have been in the past. We're looking to play, play exciting rugby, move the ball around, um, looking for opportunities. We've done a lot of work on individuals and how they see the game and, and, and what they're looking for. So, um, you know, that's exciting on the attack side. And for me personally, on the defence side, I think we've been a decent um, defensive team for a while now. Um, but we haven't always been a great tackling team. So, you know, the Aussies, like I said, pose a particular strength and the fact that they, they've got really good uh, fight in the carry and fighting to stay up and that so you know, what I'm looking for is some really dominant low tackles to be honest Okay um, the other thing is uh, if you were to play, if say you were playing a World Cup game tomorrow, how close how close do you think you've got uh, got to at this point for um, naming a squad, naming a, a combination as such for a World Cup opener, how, how, you know, how, how close are you to that? Yeah, like I said at the start, I think we're getting, you know, some continuity and some consistency in some of our selections now. There's probably, uh, you know, a few positions left to, to really debate hard, and some of that's already started. And um, the great thing about it is that, you know, these two tests are a genuine opportunity for people to still put their hand up. And, and so is the Farah Palmer Cup. We've got players still playing the Farah Palmer Cup that we're keeping a close eye on. So, um, you know, we're pretty close and when it comes to a squad of 32, you know, a number of them. Uh, have done enough to really cement a position, but um, yeah, this is still a genuine opportunity this weekend and in the Farah Palmer Cup to, to push for others. Yeah, okay, Wes. It sounds, um, like, a politi- it sounds like a politician's answer, doesn't it? But that's, that's really where we're at. <laughs> I, I, I guess the essence of it, by the, and the, the, the thing that, that gets me about uh, this kind of thing all the time, and I, I've never been a selector, so I've never had to do this, but um, the way it's all come together, the feeling that it, it seems to have from the outside looking in, the spirit and the, the fellowship exactly that you've got already, you're going to have to make some tough phone calls. Yeah, it's, it's the worst part of the job for me personally, and I know... And none of us enjoy it. The reality is, um, being a World Cup year, players have really put their hand up. Players are working harder than maybe in some other years. 
and mm. we've, we've built some real depth in the way that Smithy has selected, so given players opportunities. So the reality is some really good players are going to miss out, and, and you know, that's, that's never fun, those phone calls. It's, it's, oh, personally, I, I hate them. Um, mm. But it's just bloody exciting that we are in a position where we can make uh, some of those decisions and, and really push the spots. And as we know, uh, there will be injuries. There will be injuries during the World yeah. Cup, so um, it's, never, it's never over either for some of those players. It's incredibly close now, October the 8th, that uh, I, I know it's yeah. probably been a, a, a ring on the calendar for you, um, but you're crossing off the days very, very quickly now. So, uh, hey, look, let's hope the next fortnight goes extremely well. No injuries uh, out of uh, those areas you want uh, to retain selectors, uh, your selections. So let's hope that goes well. Enjoy Christchurch, and more yep. importantly, enjoy the Adelaide Oval. I'm sure that you will, Wes. Uh, all the best uh, with what's coming up. Thank you very much. It'll be my first time on the Oval, so excited. Yeah, good on you, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take a good long look around. It's, some, it's a wonderful, and honestly, it is a wonderful stadium. Thank you. Thanks for your time this morning. Travel well. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Uh, Wes Clark there, of course, who is the Black Ferns assistant coach, knows full well what it takes to build it into a World Cup squad because he's been around the scene uh, longer than most. Uh, involved in this campaign and it's so close it is uh, the 8th of October that will roll around very very quickly it's 9.23 here on SENZ we'll be Kina Tire phone line call Izzy and Kempi anytime 0800 150 811 and remember Talk Back Time with Smithy Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. 9.33 here on SENZ and uh, Dean from Dunedin is on the line. Good morning to you, Dean. Lovely to catch up with you again. Yeah, here comes, Smithy. Great day here in Dunedin. Dry. Yeah, no, we haven't had any of that. Like, I obviously just went up the um, West Coast, so, yeah, we can't complain, which is nice for a change, but we're not here to talk about the weather, are we? <laughs> no, well, actually, we're in parts of New Zealand we are at the moment, but, yeah, you're right, you don't have to down there. So what's on your mind today, mate? Well, first, I'd love some the NZRFU to come out with a little bit of clarity as to what exactly the payment structure is now that Force has got Smith there, that to be honest, I'm quite happy with that. Like, I mean, I'm a bit big on the old nicknames, eh? So I think old um, Forster should call himself Bridesmate. Sort of thing it fits because he's got a good head coach there now, and Smith with proven credentials to do the job. He's got a, the best forward coach running around in New Zealand at the moment helping him out. So I just don't know how much money they got out. They can keep him on a million bucks, defies logic to me, but that's all I'll say about that. Let's hope that they. Um, carry on the way they were going because that performance in South Africa was pretty good. They, for me, all they got to do now is sort out the backline position. It's harped on it for long enough and I think a lot of people do agree but my teams don't play anyone. You know, so it's, it is what it is and the main thing there for me is just move Rico to the wing and he should be pretty good. I love the way he ran down there on Saturday in Alice Park when he looked sensational but now we got um, oh, what for me is the best game of rugby of the year when um, the mighty Stags stay at home and take on those Otago mongrels. So, yeah, we've got a minivan courtesy of Ford Dunedin taking us down there for the day, so looking forward to that. But there's a bit of a 
an old bugger from Blues. Like, I played for Pirates. I went to Blues for a season. Thoroughly loved it. The club and schoolmates got abused by all my rugby mates from Pirates. But that's life. But um, the old guy, Waratah, like, he wandered up and down the sidelines there. Even since I was a kid. You know, he's just been there that long. He passed away during the week, so... The Stags will get up for that. Like, he just walked up and down the grandstand, roaring. Everyone knows him. And he was just a character of South and Rugby. So condolences to his family. Condolences, and probably that's the Blues Rugby Club, to be fair. That bloody near was his family. But um, that's added motivation for those Stag boys. And on paper, Otago, look, head and shoulders better, but um, blood's thicker than ink. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Can't wait. Well, I... I look forward to that, and and I, you know, one of the reasons I, I like it because I, I'm actually from the provinces. I was a Nelson born, then through Wanganui, you know, through Manawatu, two, through Hawke's Bay. So uh, I spent a bit of time in Wellington. There's no doubt about that. So I was a city slicker there for a while. But to be honest, you know, I, I mean, I, they're the memories. They're, they're the memories for me. Oh, mate, I, I can still see Paddy Batch's eye on his cheek when Ian Donaldson uh, he wasn't my teacher at Tweedsmere but he was the hero of all the rugby boys at Tweedsmere playing on the wing there for the Stags and Paddy Batch was a monster Ian wasn't big but he was pretty quick another blues bugger but um, yeah he smashed him in the bread basket and hit him that hard as I popped out and the old doctor just plops her back in you know you don't forget you can't you cannot forget I mean that's that's why we love the game that's why we have an opinion like I've seen numerous times on your show I've never been to church mum took me once and I ran away just not my thing. But rugby, I've never <laughs> run away from a rugby game in my life. No, no, no. So yeah, absolutely right. Good, I, yeah. I, I actually, I, I rate the Stags this weekend. I think they're, they're pretty big outsiders, but I, I, I actually rate them. And um, just by the bias, pretty impressed with Otago over Hawks Bay the other night too. Well, actually, this this Dunedin City Ford bugger, he's one of their top salesmen. Ray, he um, he got us some tickets there too, like. And I was fortunate that we sat where we sat. A guy come back from Australia, from Japan, sorry, that I honestly believe should be part of the All Black Mix because they can bring him on as an impact and guarantee we'll win the old line outside Ash Dixon. He was sitting behind us. He's lost absolutely nothing on his wee trip to Japan. And the funniest thing, halfway through the first half, some clown with his four bears, you know, Goldilocks and the four bears, and he wasn't watching. And Otago had a kick for touch, and there was just a share of, alcohol everywhere smack bang in the middle of his four plastic cups it was outstanding but at the end of the game i said to my partner you better look out here we could wear this ball went over our head but ash dixon was two rows behind us it was two three gorgeous kids like it was amazing and they are so hawks bay patriotic they didn't give a stuff where they were they were hawks bay hawks bay go the bay good to hear only little kids and the wee boy he's a splitting image of his old man but the ball went over our head, ashes behind us. He stretches back on the seat. He won't mind us saying this. He might get a bill. Catches it two hands, hurfs it back into the field, but he smashed the seat. You know how you go back too far? The plastic yeah. seat is a different correct. Great stuff. Gold, eh? Absolutely. Absolutely gold. Yeah. But tell you what, the Highlanders, yeah. Roger Clark needs to get on the blower. That Hawks Bay number two. We could do with him. And I tell you what, what's his name? I asked Ash where he's from. He says he's from Auckland. Uh, Kai Fu. Tyrone. Is that Kai Fu? Ty, number Ty, seven? Best tackle oh, Kaifa. Josh Kaifa. Best yeah, good player. Yeah. Otago number eight, no midget, and he absolutely poleaxed him. Tough that Otago guy, though. Like, he put in another couple of hits after that, but 
he was a dog's dinner after that tackle, and he, he had to go off shortly after that. But he did put his body on the line a couple of times. He didn't want to. He was hold favour in his shoulder, but he still went in, put his body on the line. That's good to see. But, yeah, he he might be short, that bugger, but we'd sign him up if I was the boss, and we'd just have Chevelle at six, and that's not a bad mix. Not a bad mix. We'll yeah. do it number eight. I'll be happy with that. Okay, so uh, uh, all our punters who uh, live on your words uh, and we get a lot of reaction to what you say, Dino, need to know this, the answer to this question, right? Here's the thing. Now that we've got Joe Smith there and everything's been reconfirmed to who's taking us through to the World Cup, are you right in behind it, man? I've always behind it. Always behind it. I've never not been behind it. I just don't like what's going on. Like, I'd love them to tell us. I just hope that raises been told he's signed up in 2024 like I wish we'd know these things and we're never going to know but it'd be nice to know I'd, I'd bet against them just because I don't mind losing money if we win if you know what I mean doesn't worry me yep. but at the much it's yep. a shambles it's the selections that they annoy me Smithy like you can't have it at work a, a bad mix you know you just got to address it and unfortunately with rugby she's that PC or I don't know what it is but the players are here I've always said it the cattle's here the shepherd's here, the head coach. I mean, Forster's a bloody nice guy. Don't get me wrong, but nice guys don't always win. Like he's a great, he can do the backs. I don't even like the way he makes the decisions. There, but he's a selector. That's what annoyed me. He's not coming out and saying why he picked those Auckland props, or is it just going to throw Grant Fox under the bus like he did everyone else that was associated with him? That annoys me. But like, you don't throw okay. your mates under the bus, not rugby. But yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Money comes to Africa, hundred percent. Good on you, Dino. Have a great weekend, mate. Have a, a terrific weekend. Uh, one of our other regulars is uh, on the line as well. Zaid, g'day, Zaid. Haven't spoken to you for a while. Uh, what's on your mind, mate? Um, bit of a big clash the other day. Um, Chelsea, Tottenham, uh, both. Uh, I bet you haven't seen that in a while. But co- two coaches going off it against each other and both getting sent off was a bit um, bit interesting. I'm not sure if there have been doubt any suspensions yet or what's going on with that, but that was a bit interesting. Then. Um, Chelsea weren't too happy with the refereeing because right at the end of the game, um, the Chelsea player, Mark Kukurela, got his hair pulled and then um, Tottenham went and scored a goal straight after that. So um, a lot of the Chelsea fans have started a, a petition and said that they never wanted to referee a Chelsea game again. That's um, Mike Dean. Um, so, yeah, they never want him to referee a Chelsea game again. Uh, a lot of the fans were um, kicking off and we obviously know how Patriot patriotic the fans are. I'm a big Chelsea fan. Um, so, yeah, like watching them, I know you're into Tottenham. So, yeah, it was quite a fight yeah. the game the other day. Um, well, I'm, I'm, great, I'm you- open-minded, Zane. I'm open-minded because uh, you just you just support anything with blue, though, don't you, to be fair? Oh, well, other than the state of origin, I'm all, all, all maroon. But, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so um, what are you looking forward to this weekend, man? I'm looking forward to the UFC. Um, Karel Usman versus um, Leon Rocky Edwards will be a good good fight this weekend. UFC 278, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's an Aussie boy on the card, um, Tyson Pedro, who does a bit of work with City Kickboxing, so that'll be a good fight. Obviously, um, looking forward to Auckland versus the Bop. Um, be good to see if get get Rogers some minutes for Auckland, and I'm um, interested to see yep. what's going to happen tonight with Counties and Waikato. Um, knowing that uh, Dalton Popoli'i and Satutu and Nipo Lalala are um, playing tonight, I think I think Counties should probably win with the good players they've got tonight. 
And yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you there, uh, Zaid. I think that's going to be a hell of a clash. And uh, with those guys back looking to prove a point with fresh legs, totally agree with you, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great call and a uh, great uh, weekend uh, and uh, a, a great look at uh, the Blues game. Uh, the, not the Blues game. They're all Blues games for you, uh, Zaid, of course, but uh, for Auckland, of course, Bay of Plenty. Look forward to that one as well. Joey, g'day, Joey. How are you this morning? Yeah, good, Smithy. You look, you, uh, you you keep the same side uh, that won in South Africa, obviously. Um, you don't change anything because the changes they made, obviously, um, have have worked. Um, Fistel was um, was uh, a, a quite a good influence, I think. You know, it's, his physicality was 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 really really good. Um, and then you bring Yuani on, uh, you know, half three quarters of the way through, makes a difference, mate. And 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 Foster's got it now. And, and like I've always said, Smithy. People got to realise too that that when you um you're taking over from a guy that had had uh, 85 to to 89 percent winning strike rate, which was Steve Hansen, it's uh it's a pretty hard call. It, it's like uh, mm. saying to you and me, take over the the Penrith Panthers at the moment. I mean, there's only one way. In a way, don't get me wrong with you, Dylan, but there's only one way you can go, and it's slightly down. Now we're the fourth ranked, the fourth best in the world. Foster can push us up. If he does the right thing and not changing things around, they've done a very good thing by sending these players that went to South Africa and never even played back to NPC because that's how it should be. And just on the other thing, um, with the Warriors, you know, you've got guys like their captain um, texting guys in, in, uh, in jail and all that and whatever. You know, that's where the Warriors are at at the moment. I mean, to me, captains and, 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 and strong people in the organisation, don't do that sort of thing. You know, it, it's just crazy. Um, but as I say, you know, with the, with the All Blacks, um, Foster can, can change it around. And don't forget, we beat the, the world champions. And the last thing, Smithy, do you think you can beat the mighty Manawa too? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do, Joey. I think we'll we'll, we'll beat the we'll have Falau Fokatava at halfback. Not that halfback's a problem for us, but uh, he'll be there and he'll be uh, itching to go. So, Joey, yes, I think we'll, uh, Hawks Bay will comfortably beat the Green and Whites. I hope Staff not is not listening. Last uh, say of the week goes to um, a fellow that I, owe, I apparently I owe a bottle of red wine to, and that's uh, Jeff. The ref down in Cromwell. I suppose it'll have to be a good one too, because you drink only good reds down in that part of the world. Yeah, you did have to. Well done. Uh, well, done. Uh, well done. I've had a good week. Well done, Jeff. Yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you a bottle of Pinot from. I work at uh, a terrace cactus vineyard, and uh, it's a beautiful drop of red with the juice here so I can uh, flick your bottle up to, to try mate and I know you probably enjoy a good red do you? Oh, I love a good red mate I absolutely love it but it's me that owes you because of course you won so there you go I'll have to I'll, yep. I'll, I'll see if I can find a nice little Hawks Bay Syrah for you Well that sounds great now we'll have that little challenge every time they uh, play each other eh? the Bay and the, okay. the mighty uh, blue and gold eh? I, uh, look, look for uh, yeah. Yep. Just to promote, I want to promote a bit of refereeing, you know, we've talked about the AVs, are they going to just keep getting better? Uh, you know, it's good to have Jason back on board. Uh, I think they've got a very good coaching group there. I'm not sure what's going to happen to raise it, but we'll find out eventually. Uh, but refereeing, I mean, I, like I'm 
it's the best seat in the house. Like, I refereed the first 15 game last Saturday. You know, two great harkers. You know, Dunstan High School of the semi-final. Bloody great game. 21-17 to Dunstan over Walker. Walker Tipu first. A little woman's under lights on Wednesday. And this Saturday, I've got an under-15 final, which is a Targo, Targo wide comp where the boys are going to travel from from Central here to Dunedin. And uh, yep. which is a three-hour trip to Dunedin, there and back, and uh, two two local teams in that uh, sparring college and Dunstan under 15s are playing off for the final. For the Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we didn't go any good last night because uh, the underdog got up, even though the underdog was the Penrith Panthers. They got up and beat the Rabbitohs 26-22. So that was a bit of a surprise. I've got a league bet in the multi for the weekend as well. I've got the Eels to beat the Bulldogs at $1.35. Auckland, Zades Auckland to beat Bayer Plenty at $1.42. And then two football games out of the EPL. Spurs to beat Wolves $1.36. Everton to beat Nottingham Forest $1.91. Multi's up at $4.00. $4.98 so uh, hopefully we can have some success uh, with that one over the weekend, it's a long drawn out one I think we can play on Sunday as well, it is uh, coming up to 10 o'clock, uh, Araha with the news very shortly and then after that former All Black and former Blues halfback Steve Devine with his opinion on the new All Black setup. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, going back to Wednesday around 2.30 in the afternoon, there were three empty chairs in a meeting room at New Zealand Rugby Auckland headquarters, uh, just outside the window, actually, of uh, SENZ, uh, our studio up there in Auckland. Uh, The awaiting media were unaware of who exactly would be fronting up to fill those chairs, until in walked Ian Foster, Mark Robinson and Stuart Mitchell. New Zealand Rugby have put their full support behind Ian Foster as the All Blacks head coach to lead them through to next year's Rugby World Cup with Joe Smith coming out of the computer room to an on-field coaching role. Joining us now is a former All Black halfback Steve Devine um, with uh, his thoughts on uh, what he's made of it. Thanks for your time, Steve. Yeah, morning, Key. What were your initial impressions yesterday after you uh, you heard the announcement by Stuart Mitchell that uh, Ian Foster was their man and they gave him full support? Um, I initially, initially I didn't think it was going to go that way, um, but um, I guess uh, the decision's been made now. It's time for everyone to to accept it and, and get on with it, and, and I hope to try and build something um, stronger for the for the World Cup um, next year. And, I, I guess it won't be until um, the conclusion of that tournament that uh, we find out if it's been a good decision or a bad decision. Yeah, well, it, it's true. Uh, and one of the reasons why there's been so much speculation is that there seems to have been periods, Steve, of, of nothingness. And, and, you know, we're just left with, with uh, speculation. Finally, I guess this puts that to bed. But it, it hasn't been handled that well from the outside looking in. Yeah, no, yeah, there's definitely not. There's, um, there's been... Um, you know, talk, talk of a new coach and talk of this and talk of that and it's, um, you know, not having any clear voice on the subject and, you know, media and everyone being told to wait is, is, hasn't helped. Uh, sort of 
sort of helps uh, conspiracy theories arise and whatnot. So, I, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it hasn't been dealt with yet, but, um, you know, hopefully everyone can learn from that and, and move on with it. Uh, get everyone to come to the time the now, and um, it is what it is. It's going to be to like this to the World Cup, and um, we just got to get in for them. I, I think Joe Smith being in a hands-on coaching role is, is uh, an amazing too. I, I think uh, he 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 could be the difference um, um, for us going forward the next year. Steve, how uh, how close do you think it was? In all essence, oh, we can only speculate. We we probably will never know the the. Um uh, the, the guts of the conversations at board level as such, but that last 12 to 14 minutes at Ellis Park, you think that was the swinger? Uh, I have no doubt. If they lost, if they lost their test, I, I think it would be completely different. Um, I think it would be a completely different outcome. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think Africa um, played their strongest team. I think they made a few mistakes. Um, I think they were maybe um, a little bit arrogant in the way they went about their things and and um, it sort of it helps fuel. You know, you never write off an all black team. You just can't do it. You, you can't any any of the top seven teams in the world. You can't really write them off. You know, on their day, any one of those teams are going to beat another one. And uh, I think the All Blacks really did turn up to play, and, and the Africans maybe not so much, knowing that they'd uh, had an, an easier week the week before. This um, a decision, I think, was also helped uh, from the outside looking in uh, by a number of senior players coming out and backing Ian Foster. We're talking the captain, we're talking Adi Savia, uh, Sam Whitelock, who we were told at one point there might have been a bit of rift, a rift between he and Foster. Well, when those kind of people come out openly and support him um, and unprovoked, uh, I would imagine that was something the board took into account as well. Yeah, I mean, they had to. I mean, at the end of the day, it is. It is the team that the board are working towards, and if, if that's what the team's saying, then then it's hard to go against it. I, I, I tend not to. I, I tend not to count um, when a loss has been whether the All Blacks have played well. Like I, I take the result out of it, and if you just look at um, how they've played, um, I, I sort of for the first time in, in a long time, in the last two matches against Africa, I've seen. Uh, a game plan where people are actually trying to play. I haven't seen that for the last three years. So, you see, like Jason Ryan has made a, a, a remarkable impact in two weeks. Um, I know Joe Smith as, as hands on coaching. I know he was involved with, with them um, for the first IS test because um, Fozzie was in isolation. So, you know, we've, we've got some, we've got a couple of great coaches there. You know, and they, they're really going to assist um, this all great team. I, you know. I haven't seen any direction from the All Blacks in the last three years. I just haven't seen a game plan that they're trying to achieve. We keep getting told, you know, we're making we're making games. I just I just haven't seen. It. I've seen nothing from them in the last three years, and and then finally in the last couple of weeks, I've seen okay, we we we're actually trying to achieve something here together as a team, which which has been a good thing. So, are we on the, are we on the way forward? I think we are, and I think we're going to get better and stronger from 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 this moment. How do you see the Foster Smith? Um, role uh, divided up as such. Where, where would you see Joe Smith's strength coming in as a as an on the field hands on coach? Well, it, 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 let's work backwards. Right? The biggest problem the All Blacks have had in the last um, say year is they have not been able to retain their own ball. Right? You can't build pressure. You can't you can't do anything rugby if you can't look after your own ball on attack. And um, you know we look at the Irish team. 
uh, they got the ball in our half and they kept the ball in our half and scored points in our half. And, and you know, that's how simple test match rugby has become. We, we haven't been able to do that. Um, Joe Smith, you look what he's done to the Blues this year when he's been involved. The Blues went from being that team that struggled to hang on to their own ball to this year probably being the best team in the competition of being able to hang on to their own ball. And uh, that builds pressure on attack. Uh, you build phases and um, you can score points. And so, uh, you know, the, the exact area that the All Blacks need, you know, a giant amount of help. And uh, he's going to be awesome for that. Uh, he brings a, he brings a game plan, um, you know, of attacking rugby where, where all of a sudden we're not um, standing so flat on attack. Uh, we're hitting the ball a bit deeper. The players have got options, passing options, pre and post contact. Um, it just helps avoid those big, brutal um, breakdowns where uh, we struggle to win our own ball. Like, like in the first test against Africa, like we were flat on attack and we really, really struggled to win our own ball because we were walking into contact. Mm. Uh, that's the big difference. I just, he's going to give us quick ball. He's going to give us quick right ball, and, and that's what we need. And that's how we play in New Zealand. Ian Foster is now backed until the end of the Rugby World Cup. We know that for sure. Um, that has now um, been well documented. Uh, so where does that leave uh, Scott Robertson as such? What, where do you think Razor's at in terms of his thinking at the moment? Uh, mate, I, I don't know him well. Um, I imagine he's still contracted to the Crusaders for next year. Um, I, I imagine he'll, you know, there's, there's two ways he's going to play, right? He's going to... He's gonna, um, He's going to get upset and, and throw the toys and, and look for something offshore, um, which he has every right to do. Or he's going to, you know, hopefully it works constructively with the New Zealand Rugby Union and um, they they come up with a plan and they come up with a way forward that suits everyone. But, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. He clearly has aspirations to do bigger and better things than, than coach the Crusaders and he wants to be involved in international rugby. So, um, mate, it's going to be a tough one, but, you know, this is where some good heads can get together and, and come up with a, with a long-term game, you know, long-term game plan that helps, that helps both parties. I, 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 you know, the conversation needs to be had with them rather than, um, just letting it fester, um, with no one saying anything. I, I think that's the best way forward. So I guess the only way for Ian Foster to win back the public, Steve, is to win. I mean, uh, uh, there was a recent stuff poll with 7,000 votes, 83%. 83% of the New Zealand public didn't back uh, in New Zealand rugby's faith in Ian Foster. Uh, is, uh, is that something that New Zealand rugby should be conscious of? Should they look at the fan perspective and fan, fan opinion? Oh, it needs to be about the team. Uh, but it's just, you know, everything about the like about the team and, and what's best for the team. And um, I, I was one of those. I was one of those eighty uh, percent that were, had no faith in them. But uh, my opinion has changed in the last couple of weeks. Where I'm, you know, like I said, for the first time, I'm actually starting to see a bit of a game plan. I'm actually starting to see what they're trying to achieve. So I've seen some tactics. So um, that's encouraging for me. Um, but uh, yeah, again, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about uh, win loss. Um, for the general public, um, but yeah, I, I see, I see a glimmer of hope. I haven't seen it for the last couple of years. Like when they played Africa in, in Aussie last year, you know, I just thought they were terrible. They didn't, they didn't really have a game plan. They, you know, they for a long time they've just tried to, you know, grind teams down to their last twenty minutes and over the top of them. But you know, the game's changed. Everyone slows the game down now, so you don't get, you don't get that pressure and that fitness thing at the end of the three match because you know teams are still pretty fresh because there's not as much running around. So. You know, that was the game plan for a long time and, you know, I can see that's changed in the last couple of weeks and, 
you know, I'm looking forward to where they can go with this. They've got a, a big couple of games coming up against uh, an, an informed Argentina who, on their day, if they get it right, and you know, very hard to stop. Um, they're physical big men, so we're going to have to move some bodies and, um, you know, and put a plan in place to, to get them. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a lot more confident in the last couple of weeks uh, than I have been than I have been in the last couple of years, put it that way. Okay, the, the other issue, uh, it seems to me, it's uh, 10.13 here on uh, SENZ, um, and uh, that was Steve Devine, um, recorded just a little uh, earlier in the day, um, on his uh, thoughts of, around uh, Ian Foster, and very interesting to hear his complete and utter backing and uh, faith in Sam Kane, wasn't it? Uh, to be honest, it was uh, quite refreshing, having heard m- m- much of that from uh, too many rugby aficionados uh, around the place. Um, the BMW Championship is uh, on, of course, in uh, the United States, and uh, this is the last 70 in the FedEx Champions uh, being played in Wilmington. And uh, I can tell you right now that uh, Keegan Bradley had a terrific round this morning, 7-under. Uh, I played with Adam Scott, actually. They were appearing, and Adam Scott shot 6-under as well. So they lead at, at the top of the leaderboard, 7-under, 6-under. Then uh, Shane Lowry from Ireland at minus 5. Justin Thomas and uh, Harold Varner are at 5-under. Then a host of players at 4-under. So the story of the morning has uh, been... Uh, Keegan Bradley and uh, Adam Scott, two veterans, I suppose you'd, you'd probably class them as uh, on the PGA Tour, looking to get into the final 30 for the really big paycheck. If uh, this one isn't big enough anyway, it's uh, a mere 15 million uh, US dollars, the stakes involved in this tournament. So trying to catch up to live, I would imagine, uh, with some of their enticements for the players to stay. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that tournament uh, for the rest of the morning and then, of course, uh, over the weekend, and it will come to its conclusion on Monday. It is uh, 10.15 here on SENZ, and when we return, we shall have a panel. Officially in the big seat alongside Izzy, broadcasting live from up here in the big smoke on 14.76 a.m. to catch Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk to me, yeah. Aaron Goyle is with us this morning. He's a senior sports journalist at Stuff and uh, one of our regulars uh, is back again, of course, in uh, Sam Ackerman. Uh, Aaron, if I can uh, begin by wishing you a very good morning. Welcome to the show. Um, listen, uh, it's almost the silence, def- deafening silence since uh, the rugby union actually came out and did something about firming up the coaching role and, and answering a few questions. It's been like, wow, can we actually get on with the rugby now? <laughs> Morning, Smithy. Um, yeah, hasn't it just? It's sort of gone from one extreme to the other, I suppose. Uh, it's been all soap opera and however many days counting down until an announcement, and then, oh, it's, uh, yeah, back to footy. When's, when's the next test on? Uh, <laughs> next Saturday. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be interesting to see, won't it? Um, the All Blacks getting back out in the park in Christchurch, of all places. Um, don't know if there'll be any protests in the street or anything uh, down near Orange Theory Stadium. We shall see. Oh, oh, it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, it will be. Of course, uh, you're alluding to the fact that uh, Razor has to sit and wait again. Um, Aaron, but, uh, I, I guess he will wait because he's got his, uh, his normal gig with the Crusaders, but they wouldn't want to string him out for much longer, I wouldn't have thought. No. It'll all hinge, won't it, on the World Cup result next year. And... Um, I mean, if the All Blacks don't win it, then 
you know, you might almost lock them in, wouldn't you? But if the All Blacks do win it, uh, which, you know, they are showing signs of improvement now, um, man, that'll be interesting, won't it, if, uh, if Ian Foster was to be reappointed and then there'll be a fair, fair few countries lining up for Scott Robertson, um, you know, at the end of that World Cup cycle. I would imagine so, and um, uh, even before that, even before that, um, on the basis they need to improve, and they know full well they're not going to win it, but they need to start from scratch again. He wouldn't be a bad guy to start uh, from scratch with. Sam, this whole uh, debacle's gone on way too long. Um, it's, 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 it seemed like forever, um, maybe as far back as November, December last year. Have we finally, have the rugby union finally um, put a full stop on it? And isn't that a lesson to them in, a, in, a, in itself? Once you make a decision, once you announce the decision, makes you become become public, things tend to go away pretty quickly. Yeah, we, we talked about. Good morning, Smithy. And, uh, morning, Aaron. Uh, look, the, we talked about in the show multiple times before, Smithy. If there is a vacuum that's been created, if the people who need to speak aren't speaking or making um, something definitive, then that vacuum will be filled. Right now, New Zealand rugby filled the vacuum. They put the full stop on. There's no conversation to be had other than just gnashing of teeth and, and, uh, and giving opinions about they made the right call or the wrong call. Nothing's going to change, at least in this uh, period. What's so important here is New Zealand rugby needs to be unwavering in their communication from here on in. No matter what, they could go on a four-game losing tier from this stage onwards. If that is the case, they still need to say, he's our man for the World Cup. We are not going to change our mind. There are no more reviews. We are following this team. We believe in the process from here until the end of the World Cup. So the only problem that can be created now is created by New Zealand rugby. So they've got the ball back in their court after fumbling it endlessly for a a month and a, a bit at least. So I'm, I'm reading CC how it goes. The New Zealand public isn't won over. They're exhausted. They're done with the conversation. They, there was too much, so much toing and froing, emotionally spent, won the last tense just to take a little break. But if, if the All Blacks are to fall back into any of the, the bad habits, the same machinations are going to come from the media and the fans of, you know, he's the wrong guy, sack him, and all that kind of stuff. Even though it's not going to happen, they cannot do anything from here on in. But you know, the, the lack of clarity beforehand is just what has made this such an issue for uh, for everybody. Razor is locked in uh, and for the Crusaders next year. And I, I personally would put it up here. If the All Blacks win the World Cup, I don't know if Ian Foster goes for another term. Why would he? He's proven if he, if he can win a World Cup, he proves his point. He doesn't need to deal with all the, the baggage that comes with it. He's gone through the ringer uh, as a coach. Not many coaches in the professional era in New Zealand have had it as full on and as tough at him. Take into account he took over this head coaching role during the start of COVID as well. It's, it's been a hell of a ride for him. I don't know if he'd necessarily want the gig again after this. So maybe it's raised by default after that, and wouldn't that be a thumb in the nose, going out with a World Cup win and saying, you know what, actually, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, all right, I'm good. And um, <clears throat> and wouldn't it be amazing to see um, the reaction to that around this country? Speaking of reactions, uh, Sam Ackerman, Adam Fanua Blake, along with uh, several players in Australia as well, is under the gun here for apparently, apparently in uh, celebrating a try, uh, sending a message to uh, people behind bars in Australia. What, what have you made of this as the latest league storm? Yeah, Manisa um, Fainu, uh, who was uh, uh, got in trouble a few years ago uh, for this, but he was uh, officially sentenced for uh, stabbing a, uh, a church uh, youth leader uh, at a car park at a church. So it was a, quite a 
uh, a, a nasty situation. Uh, he has been stood down from the NRL for some time. It was the level of support that was shown that is uh, it, it, it lacks a level of uh, of intelligence because you must be aware that doing this is it, it's you know there's been plenty of, of similar circumstances in the past. Maybe they're not aware of it, and maybe the clubs and their uh, and those who advise these uh, players on behaviour need to kind of bring these examples up more often. But it, it's been done before, and it's been trouble before um, to show support for someone who is just. Uh, Put in, uh, been uh, announced in such a, a nasty fashion to uh, to the wider public. So uh, it was a dumb move. Uh, I know that showing solidarity to your mates is one thing, but uh, but it, given given the heat that can come on you, I, I don't know that it was necessarily worth it for them or for uh, for uh, for Nessie either. I don't know. Think that he's suddenly feeling better about things because they're making uh, signals after tries for him. He's still got his uh, his life to put back together. Yeah, it, it's a weird one for me. I I mean, okay, I, I don't mind the solidarity and the you know, but to be fair, uh, there are avenues to do it, Aaron. Um, and a sports field as such is not that avenue. Even though you realise you're on TV, you get exposure. Uh, but you're just tempting fate, aren't you? And, and league is a history of this. Yep, there's uh, plenty of uh, plenty of these types of examples in the NRL um, weekly, just about, isn't it? In terms of you know um, the goings on behind the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, how many social media um, accounts one person could have? Um, I know there's been some some on there, um, you know, in defence of their mate as well, but. Yeah, I mean, when you bring it into a, a team environment, a club environment, and, you know, a game environment from a wider perspective, that's why Andrew Abdo was... And, and although he wasn't... He was sort of... He didn't come down all that hard, uh, did he? Um, you know, Abdo is sort of saying they're looking into it, there'll be a warning. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we might hear more about this uh, coming up. We might uh, hear more about um, the Warriors, um, Aaron. Uh, if they come up, um, come up with a, a win against the Cowboys, which is probably highly unlikely, I think right now the TAB they're a dollar nine, a uh, dollar nine. Um, the the Cowboys to knock over the Warriors tonight. Uh, been a topsy turvy sort of a year for them, uh, to say the the very least. Uh, what, how, how can they finish up on a positive note, Aaron? Can they do this? Well, they can avoid the wooden spoon. Um, you know that was looming well potentially you know for the first time in their history wasn't it so i mean the titans have uh, just found a little bit of form though so um yeah it's it's just been a crazy old few years for them really isn't it or um being away from home and and all that i mean it's just like next year come around let them start afresh and and see what gives but i mean that's not going to be a magical cure is it and um you just get a guy like Reese Walsh, uh, you know, coming in and circumstances, etc. See them go, you know. Just yeah, and there's a few, a few signings to get mildly excited about next year. But it's just been the same old, hasn't it? After um, all these years, <laughs> up and down, and who knows what. The performance last weekend was, um, you know, against the Bulldogs had the. Had the faithful, um, you know, with a, a bit of confidence, I suppose. But uh, who would know these last few games where you're not really playing for much? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll take a, a quick news break. We've got our Aaron Goyle with us this morning and Sam Ackerman. I'll come back to you, Sam, on uh, the Warriors uh, 
end of season as you perceive it, uh, as well as um, the other candidates for perhaps missing the finals because for the Eels and the Broncos, this is a huge weekend. Uh, it is 10.30 here on SENZ. Here's Araha. Wilson. For the north of the North Island, rain, heavy falls. Gisborne through to Manawatu, scattered rain. Hauru Whenua through to Wellington, periods of rain. Marlborough, Nelson, Buller, Westland, heavy falls continue. Canterbury, cloudy, scattered rain. Otago, partly cloudy with a few showers. The Warriors take on the Cowboys tonight and the NRL joins Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp for the live commentary from 7 on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Aaron Goyle with us this morning, as is uh, Sam Ackerman. Uh, Sam, of course, uh, all over what's happening in uh, rugby league, which means he's got a very close eye on the points table, uh, Sam. And we're looking at a top eight situation uh, where we're looking probably at nine teams going into eight. So for the Eels and the Broncos this weekend, it's important. The Broncos against the Storm. Eels may be a slightly easier passage against the Bulldogs. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely crunch time, and uh, these teams. Look, from here, you got uh, two options. You can you can struggle uh, and fluke your way into the eight, and then you know be gone after first week. And um, thanks for thanks for coming. Or you need to hit form and need to be playing well in this window. I, I personally uh, would consider if if we consider these teams on the bubble, I'd be more concerned uh, almost about the uh, about the Rabbitohs uh, from here. They've uh, after losing to the Panthers, you know, they've they've got a hard run of it. They've got Cowboys and then a uh, what will be a pretty desperate and uh, and passionate Roosters uh, in the final round of the season, which you know that derby is always uh, really intense. Uh, so, I, you know, it, I I expect the eight to stay uh, the eight that it is now, but uh, def- definitely uh, I, I want to see the Eels. I think of of the teams you mentioned, I I don't realistically see the Broncos being able to uh, make a, a huge noise in the final. I, I don't have anything to quantify that. Besides, I just don't don't feel it. Whereas if Para can get on a mm. run, they're capable of knocking over some of these top sides. Okay, um, then uh, of course uh, also we've got uh, the Warriors against the Cowboys tonight. The Cowboys' aspirations of being minor premiers are probably gone with that result last night in terms yep. uh, in favour of the Panthers. So uh, motivation for the Cowboys and any chance the Warriors? Any? Yep, the, the, the Warriors have uh, the slightest of outside chances. I, listen, I, I, you see this dollar nine at the TAB. I think that there's, uh, you know, this seven cents more generous than I probably expected them to be. Uh, quite honestly, Cowboys and Townsville with the with the artillery they've got is a, a hell of a, a team that they've uh, putting out in the field, um, and they're, they're good at home. And the Warriors are dreadful in Townsville uh, in general. So backing up from that performance at home, we, we know there's two sides right now. There's the Warriors in Australia and there's the Warriors at, at, uh, at Mount Smart. So uh, I don't expect that to be a, 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 a win, but, God, you've got to hope it's a better performance than what they put up against the Eels. So just just want to see some fight against uh, a quality team. And they're capable. They just they just need to show a bit more backbone. I don't think they're capable of winning in, in, the, in the bigger sense. It would be that one of the upsets of the year in the entire NRL if they were to achieve this. But just, you know, we just want to see a fight. Just, I don't want to see the Warriors fold meekly again. It's getting frustrating. But only three games to go in the season, uh, and given that the last one is home against the Titans, I think we should hopefully see them uh, end on a, a positive note. But what's the Panthers next week? So let's not get um, too excited about what this uh, this current fortnight holds. No, exactly. OK, we won't then. Uh, we could get excited, though, uh, Aaron, uh, about the prospect of uh, women's rugby because it's now less than two months to the Women's Rugby World Cup kicks off uh, here at Eden Park. Um, and the Black Ferns will be playing Australia in that encounter. They're playing them this weekend, and then they're playing them again next weekend 
at uh, the beautiful Adelaide Oval. So uh, all of a sudden, um, women's sport again uh, to the fore, and this uh, hugely important for this this side now. Whether it's because uh, Wayne Smith and uh, Sir Graham Henry have attached themselves to it at the top, I'm not t- too sure, but they're certainly gaining an interest, and this is a massive time for them. Yeah, look, it's amazing what, you know, a bit of a fresh change in coach. Uh, not alluding to anything in terms of the All Blacks. Anything um, else. In a comparison, <laughs> but, uh, um, but, I mean, s- someone with the, you know, absolute experience and knowledge of Wayne Smith, um, you know, how good is that for, for the Black Ferns to have him coming in and Sir Graham Henry? Um, you know, and just it seems like just... With the flick of a switch, there's been a bit of a change in uh, mindset, attitude, um, definitely game plan by the sound of it. It's going to be, as far as conditions will allow, I suppose, um, up-tempo. You know, they showed that already a little earlier this year, um, how they want to do things now. And, man, didn't they need a reset um, after last year's shocker um, on that end-of-year tour? So, yeah, because this is massive with the first time you know, the World Cup's been held in New Zealand and, you know, it would have been so ironic if the Black Ferns were at almost, you know, their lowest ebb um, that they've ever been at. So, yeah, this will, this will be two big ones for them to just get the confidence, get the connections going, um, you know, a little psychological edge over the Australians who they've never lost to. And, uh, and yeah, um, to sort of get cranking, get a bit of public support behind them for that tournament. I think too, uh, Sam, uh, we have to just uh, give some credit to New Zealand rugby here because uh, they were vilified, of course, there was a massive investigation as to what was going on behind the scenes within the Black Ferns. They made changes, they brought profile people in. Uh, They've also given them uh, contracts, etc., to go through to the World Cup. Uh, And I spoke to Wes Clark, the assistant coach, this morning, and he was not making any excuses. They've been given every opportunity to turn this around. So that's a vote of, uh, I think, a vote of confidence in uh, New Zealand rugby towards the Black Ferns. But having said that, um, we will not know until they play England or France uh, if they've actually closed the gap. No, absolutely. It's, and it's great to see um, the, the Black Ferns be able to string some games together. We know they've played almost more games this year than they have in the past two or three. So it's, it's, it's wonderful to see them um, you know, get some, a little bit of momentum with uh, a new purpose, a new structure... You can tell as well. I think you know sometimes a change needs to happen because the 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 mindset isn't right uh, within an organisation. And what they've me- they've managed to achieve so far is great. Uh, and you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, playing the the Wallaroos is is wonderful. Of course, we want to see them go up against the Australians, but uh, the the litmus test doesn't come until we test them against some of the strong Northern Hemisphere sides. I think it's wonderful uh, that Christchurch is getting uh, this test because I'm I'm still flabbergasted by the concept that the the Women's World Cups played only in Auckland and and Whangarei. That to me, it's just it feels uh, like an opportunity missed. I know COVID has its uh, left its imprints on a lot of things, and this is one of them, but it's, uh, I, I'm really glad that the rest of the country get to see this team and enjoy them, and I think that's enjoyment is a key word here. What I've seen so far of the Black uh, Ferns and, and hearing from this camp and, and seeing in players like Tyler Nathan Wong uh, want to give a crack and hearing the, the crackle and Kendra Coxie's voice as she talks about uh, getting a chance to play at home and, and prepping with this team, I hear an excitement about playing 
for this team, for this country, and with these uh, fellow athletes. And I, I, that, that to me is always a sign that a New Zealand team is in a position to achieve. A lot of water to go into the bridge, but um, I'm stoked, stoked that they get a, a prime time test. Uh, there's no All Blacks to overshadow them. Uh, they are the, the feature game of rugby in this country and for this country this week, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, another smart move, I think, here from New Zealand Rugby, or particularly um, the Players Association as such also, Aaron, is the announcement, uh, the official announcement, that uh, Richie McCaw will play a significant role in uh, shaping the All Blacks off the field future because he's been appointed as a director of the new company involving uh, uh, Silver Lake, etc. It's, it's called New Zealand Rugby Commercial GP Limited. Uh, putting Richie McCaw there as a name, a face, uh, gives the uh, gives great credibility. Yeah, I mean, if there's someone who has uh, the mana and credibility, as you say, um, I don't think you could get much better, could you? Um, yeah, still a, still a few more to be announced by the look of it, but uh, yeah, he's obviously a, has strong connections with uh, Rob Nickel. Um, you know, they love a bit of uh, a challenge together in terms of uh, endurance events and things, and maybe this is another. Um, but yeah, this will be an interesting one to to follow, won't it? After um, all that's gone on and, and getting this deal over the line, and uh, yeah, to have uh, to have uh, McCaw uh, in there is yeah, we haven't. He's been fairly quiet, hasn't he, since um, retirement? He's not one of these guys who's gone to the media or coaching or anything like that. So yeah, he's uh, involved in uh, quite a unique way now. Well, well, it is, and one of the reasons I, I think about this, Sam, is because uh, the first question people are going to ask is, what is going to happen to the money? Where is the money really going to go? And who do we know that's within that outfit that is going to make sure it seemingly goes to the right places? You couldn't have a better name than Richie McCaw to perhaps, to initially anyway, quell any doubts. Oh, absolutely. There's no question the mana his name brings... Uh, and just the, uh, the the what it stirs up inside you when you hear Richie McCaw, New Zealand rugby, and hearing him as a, a leader, a director, an advocate, what do you want to say? Richie McCaw has uh, made his name and uh, his, his entire you know, career has been based around a follow-me approach. He's never been a talker. He's never been somebody that goes in and gets into verbal confrontations or uh, comes out with strong opinions and drives them. So he's going to be in a room full of a, a lot of strong-minded people uh, who are, who have made their careers out of getting into situations uh, and getting out of situations with their verbiage, <laughs> giving their opinions and making other people believe their opinions on things. Uh, and there are some very talented people uh, in that regard. But I, I personally think someone like Bailey Mackey as uh, a director on that board who's had so much to do with rugby. He's, he's had an incredible career and achieved a lot uh, and what he's been able to do, but he's done that with his mind, not with uh, being out in the field and achieving something uh, to that level. So Richie McCaw is a great name to it. Uh, he is in for a different kind of of of, of battle of, of contest if he's if his will uh, goes up against the will of some of these other mem- directors that have been named so far. So it'll be intriguing, uh, and I'm really interested to see what kind of how Richie McCaw goes uh, fighting a corner for the players. Just, uh, just finally, Sam, um, where do you sit with Mark Robinson now? He's, he's copped a, as much flack almost as um, as Ian Foster and Sam Kane have uh, over the last, uh, well, I, I guess three to four weeks in particular. But where do you sit with Mark Robinson and how he's performed? I see the announcement of uh, Ian Foster retained through the World Cup. You could have attached Mark Robinson's name 
to that as well. I think that he'll be under a fair amount of pressure for how things have gone, and uh, I think that he does. I don't think that his his position hinges on the results of the World Cup, but certainly hinges on the behaviour of New Zealand rugby and. Uh, the All Blacks in that time. If they can win back the public and keep kicking some goals, and keep in mind, you know, if if we had a, if we had a view Silver Lake deal as a massive moment for uh, for New Zealand rugby and something that is going to help drive it forward, well, you know, Mark Robinson's been at the um, you know one of the key figures within that conversation, and it had to go into a a lot of those battles and, and sort sort out a lot of problems along the way. So it's not that his performance throughout has been poor. I think, you know, as they said in their press conference, we may have made some mistakes along the way. Yep, you did. Uh, and what's important is that they don't surface again. I think that he is uh, safe now. It'd be good to put his head down and just get away from the uh, the all-back side of things and start to be the uh, CEO that he wants to be and, and those that put him in seem as capable of. Because right now he, he needs uh, a little bit of time uh, staying away from the headlines. Sam Ackerman, thank you. Aaron Goyle, thank you. Have a great weekend, uh, gentlemen. They were our panellists uh, this morning. We'll have more panels, of course, next week here on SENZ. It is 10.44. What a wonderful city. Our nation's capital. Although, on a windy night, the Caketon, not much fun to be a goal kicker, but you can listen to us down there, 7.11am. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Very busy weekend of thoroughbred racing on both sides of the Tasman. A short uh, six-race program today at uh, Oamaru and then Ruakaka and New Plymouth tomorrow in the big... Boys and girls come out to play. It's spring over there in Australia. The Wink Stakes, Louis. Wink Stakes, Louis. Smithy, we've arrived. Welcome. Mm. Welcome to the turn up, my friend. That's what they say. That's what they say when the, the kids are going to go out for a big night. And that's what we're saying when we're going to launch into spring. Welcome to the turn up. And you know how I know it's the turn up? It's because you got Animo lining up against Profondo, the talented young stallion for Richard Litt, ex-Kiwi. You've got Moonga, who already is a surefire mm. stallion. He's going to be wonderful at start of the son of Savabil. Up north at Whangarei, Brando's back. I reckon Brando will win a Group 1 this season, and I reckon he's a really good bet tomorrow. I've just gone back and done the replays on him, and especially his trial at a heavy Tarapa, where he doesn't necessarily love it. Oh, he was a bull getting to the line that day. I think he's going to be too good for them up at Whangarei. Unfortunately, I think New Plymouth has binned, or the markets are suspended, and um, I've had a bet re- refund that I liked cork there so uh, that's a bit unfortunate but in general the good horses are back smithy uh, how good is it to watch animo tomorrow go against moonga you've got hinged you've got fangirl the nice former fillies now mares down the bottom of the book and then you've got a couple of ex-kiwis i want to give you one name to follow as well tomorrow at sydney it's in the staying race now chris waller has a big hand to play in this race i think it is about race number Six, here we go. The ACJC Premier's Cup. It's the Group 3. Lord Ardmore's the favourite, but I want you to go and look at the other Chris Waller runner. It's nines into eights. It ran behind Crosstalk last start. Too much to bear. The ex-Kiwi, it's a press statement. It was fight doing its best work late over the 2,000 metres from Kira McAvoy with the lightweight. I reckon it's each way all day, eights and 280. Thank you very much, uh, Louis Herman-Watt. Have a terrific weekend on the punt.
get across to Pip Morris now at uh, the TAB. On behalf of the TAB, Pip, uh, two re- meetings today for the Greyhounds, Addington and Palmerston North, and what's the sports betting trends? So we've got power plays available on every race of six runners or more, the same at Oamaru and for the harness at Addington too this evening. So nice little plays there, like one in the first, a big-time master win and dangerous woman to run top four at 250. On the sports side of things, looks pretty even as far as the Warriors and the Cowboys go. Can tell you head-to-head betting, the Warriors fans are out five times as much more money on them in single bets. But the Cowboys 13 or more are the best back there at $1.40 in the winning team in margin. And counties in the NPC just continues to take money. Smithy, they were 310 into 220. They've had a $4,000 bet on them at $2.35 as well. And don't forget about our major league baseball multi bonus back promotion. You can play for multi there. If you miss by one league, you can get a bonus set up $50 with three leagues or more. Pip Morris, you have a terrific uh, weekend. I know you'll be busy on the tally uh, and uh, the Greyhounds as well. So we'll have a terrific weekend. Uh, why don't we go to sport? How are we going to get uh, people back to sport? How are we going to fill those seats? Justin Nelson. Justin Nelson. Yes, uh, basketball Justin uh, has also got a new thing on his agenda. We'll find out about it after the news coming up here with Araha. It's a very, very interesting and pertinent subject. How do we get people back into the tribalism the fandom of sport in this country. 14.76am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, Justin Nelson is a name you hear on SENZ regularly in a basketball capacity. He was a big part of our commentary team for the South NBL Finals. Uh, he co-hosts Hoopheads as well. But uh, his day-to-day role is with Sky Television as their head of commercial. He knows how to call games, but he also knows how to turn around a sport and turn them into a, a viable entertainment product. You only need to look at New Zealand's National Basketball League for proof of that. Now our national game is in his sights. Justin Nelson joins us now on SENZ in the mornings. Justin, thanks very much for your time. Hey, Smithy, no problems. And uh, hopefully you're back to winner during the, the Sells NBL Final Six. It was, it was pretty hard to tip winners, but it was a lot of fun. It certainly was, and it came across uh, absolutely fantastically uh, the, the last four nights. It was a, a, a brilliant product, and, and of course that uh, leads me on to the, the, the theme of our discussion today, and that is, of course, uh, about the, the entertainment and, and rugby, perhaps. And uh, you've been taking a, a little look at uh, how perhaps we could do better in that in terms of uh, providing a better spectacle and a better night out or a better day out, effectively. Yeah, well, I mean, the fans uh, are the most critical uh, part of any sports business. If you don't have the fans, you know, you very quickly uh, fall by the wayside. And, and it is entertainment. It's the business that uh, that sport is in. It's important that, you know, we, we bring people along to, to best utilise and best enjoy their, their leisure time to entertain them. Uh, and, and not only entertain them, but but give them the feeling of wanting to come back over and over again. And you know that very quickly turns to tribalism. And as soon as you've got tribalism in sport, you know you've got a fantastic business. And uh, and that's what we should all be aiming for. How would you describe rugby as an entertainment product as we speak? 
Look, I'm not a rugby expert, and you know, I, I very much say that every time I stand up and talk about this sort of stuff. But what I do know is the game has incredible fandom in this country. Um, you know, I, I do come from Australia. I think everyone knows that, and I grew up with AFL. And you're born into AFL. You're born into having a team. You're born into being tribal. And I think right now for a sport like rugby, and, and I've really enjoyed sitting back and, and watching and listening and learning, you know, I think the great challenge for rugby right now is to bring people back to being tribal. And, and super rugby is the key to doing that. Um, at the moment, there's there's some passiveness. That, that's the way I see it. It's my opinion. Um, and, and that is that, you know, super rugby comes to an end and, and, and literally it's not talked about. It's not a three six five business. And I think that's the great challenge for the game now. And it's, it's not unlike what every other sport, you know, big business uh, in sport is out there chasing. It's about capturing people's attention and mindset and engagement and immersion for 365 days of the year. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a, a really good challenge that sits in front of rugby. And I hope that, um, you know, many people can play their part and role in going out there and making that happen. Justin, you make a good point about the product, uh, you know, in, in terms of a spectacle as such. But I just wonder, uh, do we have the population base in this country? Do we have enough people to make it a 365 business, to make sure uh, we can uh, provide the, uh, the opportunities, the entertainment on a consistent basis that you, you would like to see? Well, I think it's got the fandom. I think that's the most important thing. So, yes to the population base, but yes, yes, yes to the fandom that exists around the game. There's so many people here who love the game, talk about the game, want uh, to be a part of the game. You know, I think the great danger at the moment is is ensuring that they don't drift off into being passive fans. And, and what that means is, you know, when you become passive, you take up other choices, you take up other options, whether that be sport or any other sort of entertainment. Uh, and it's important that you bring those people back into being tribal. Uh you know, not to harp on the AFL, but there's 1.2 million members, signed members every year across the AFL to their teams. It is a very, very tribal sport where you buy your seat and you do not want to give it up for anything. You know, if uh, if sports can emulate that, if they can go down that path of tribalism, European football, great example, NBA, NFL, I mean, it is uh, certainly the mecca uh, of what you should be chasing utopia in sport. So you, you talk about the, the fandom as such, uh, the tribalism. Uh, which point would you see uh, it having to be entered into in terms of New Zealand? I mean, traditionally in the past, we've been closely, more closely attached to our provinces, I think it's fair to say, than our super rugby franchises. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I'm, I'm learning more about that as I travel around the country and, and, and talking to people. You know, th- th- there's a really strong um, uh, part of the of the history of the game that's been built out of the, the regions. And to be honest, Smith, you know, I've probably lived through that the last few years with what's been done in the in the NBL, you know, where it has become really regional. Uh, and, and that's one of the most exciting aspects of the growth of that particular competition. So, you know, I, I always say I respect the past, uh, but I, I, I live in the now and I look to the future um, and, and that's really important that we do that. We should always respect the past. But if we if we administer, manage, and run sport um, according to the past, you know, sometimes you can lose your way. Innovation doesn't happen. And right now, you know, the very best sports around the world, the very best businesses in sport around the world are innovating. They're tweaking. They're changing. They're thinking about, you know, the the, the current 
uh, and future generations. They're thinking about the 18 to 34s, you know, the young people coming through who consume their leisure time incredibly different to what you and I did, you know, when we were growing up and, and in and around sport. It's a very different world and it's important that we adapt because fans relate to fans. That's really important that people remember that. Fans relate to fans. And right now, uh, it's social. Um, it's social at the game, away from the game, in front of their televisions. 90% of people who go to an event go there to socialise. They're the things that sports have to get right. Okay, so how we, how do we do that at the stadium? How do we make it more social? How do, how do we uh, give them an experience where they say, yeah, I'll be back, Re- regardless of the result, you know, I'll be back next week. I really enjoyed that night out. What do we, what do, we need to do better? Yeah, look, the, the hot topic for many years has been fan engagement. But that, that has now progressed very rapidly, and sports businesses around the world are chasing fan immersion. And that's about putting fans in the middle of the contest, in the middle of the game, Fans, can they decide what colour strip, what colour uniform a team wears this week? Can they integrate with broadcast and make the decision on who the broadcaster interviews after the game? Can fans uh, have a have an opportunity to decide what music is played, you know, during the game or half time or what the entertainment's going to be? It won't be long before we stand in our lounge rooms and put a, a set of VR goggles on and, and we're standing in front of the hucker. We're right in the middle, right there at the start and we're a part of it. Fan immersion right now is what every sports business is chasing and that's what we need to be thinking about. How do we take the fan and put them in the middle of the contest because that's the future, that's what they want. You've got an interesting concept too uh, around perhaps a player draft system uh, similar to uh, what we see in the the NBA overseas um, and the NFL, which is hugely popular in terms of an audience, um, and also trade windows perhaps that we never have really experienced in New Zealand sport that I can think of. Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of this space because what it does is it creates conversation 365. It, It creates a product. Um, that, that people are, are um, constantly engaged with every day. They go to work, they go to school, you know, they, 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 they go to restaurants, pubs, you know, whatever it may be, and they're constantly talking about the product because it's there in front of them. When the AFL finishes, you know, on that last Saturday in September and the final siren goes, the AFL machine doubles in terms of what it does promotionally and from a marketing aspect. You know, they start talking about combines and drafts and free agency and trade windows and swapping picks and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the off-season of a sport has to be ramped up. It has to be amped and it has to be hyped. And I think what we've seen, you know, the AFL has been having drafts for 30 years, NBA longer, you know, NFL. What they do is they turn the business, they turn the machine uh, and crank it up into overdrive when the competition's not actually playing. And I think it's something that really needs to be explored here. You know, the Cells NBL in 2020, um, via circumstance, COVID, uh, it went down that unique path of, of having a draft. And it captured a lot of people's imagination. All of a sudden, people who otherwise didn't talk basketball were talking basketball. And the league over the last few years has, has really grown um, off that particular time in that draft. So I think there's huge opportunity there. It takes a change mentality. You know, it does take a position of sitting down and looking at all of the benefits and thinking about the fans first and foremost. And I'll tell you now, I reckon most fans around the country would love to see 
uh, drafts, trade windows, combines, um, you know, fantasy stats, all those sorts of things because that's what we're seeing around the world. What about player engagement and this, um, you know, the, the actual teams, uh, the franchises, et cetera, uh, how how can we improve accessibility to the the young people to to those prospective fans who you want to turn up on a regular basis? Are they doing enough? I think fans want. Uh, sorry, I think players want to do more. You know, I think sometimes administratively we tend to step in and 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 we're gatekeepers, um, and and I think that's unfortunate because players want to connect with fans. Don't forget that every player, every single player in every sport by and large, has come via a pathway where they were once a fan. They've lived the life of being a fan. Uh, and now all of a sudden they get to the elite level through their, their natural talents and ability. And, you know, I think for athletes, you know, male and female across whatever sport they play and participate in, they want to connect with fans. They want to be around the fans. Uh, they want to enjoy that fandom because it usually is a pretty short career. The more you attract, the more that you connect with your fans, you build your own brand, and hopefully, you know those athletes can uh, can earn a good dollar and, and can make a good living out of their career while they've got it. But I think sometimes it's the gatekeepers, Smithy, it's those people who sit in the offices and, and behind the desks who make it a little bit harder than what it should be. I, I think we've got to access um, fans and players together, you know, more. Uh, again, not to harp back on, on the NBL, but you know this is where I've come from in the last few years. You go to a game in the NBL, and after every game, the fans get to come down on the court and meet the players. Stand there, mm. take photos, talk to them, sign autographs, and the players love it. And the fans love it. I mean, it's perfect. It's entertainment. It's immersion. That's what it is. Okay. Um, one All Black, uh, one New Zealand rugby brand, brand, of course, which seems to hold up uh, pretty well, of course, is the All Black brand. Um, and we only have to look at it whether it's uh, whether it's hot or cold, whether it's uh, whether things are going well or badly, as we've just been going through in the last um, month or so. Uh, Justin, they they still seem to attract attention as such. Uh, so I guess we're looking to continue that kind of theme, I guess, down um, down the grades, as 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 uh, for want of a better word, because uh, the, the all black brand as such. I mean, it's not just not a New Zealand brand as such; it's a worldwide brand and. Of course, Silver Lake have bought into that as well. How do you see that building from that brand? Well, I think you've got to put the fan at the centre of every decision that you make. So it doesn't matter whether it's the whether it's the All Blacks or you know it's the English football team or whatever it may be. And the All Blacks is a, you know is an awesome brand. I love the fandom here. You know, it actually really disappoints me when when, when I do hear people talk negatively about the game or talk down about the game or, you know, people who, who jump to, you know, the game being crap. It's not crap, it's great. The fandom is what makes sport so special. And I think for, you know, the trials and tribulations, the roller coasters, the ups and downs sport goes through, and, and that's why it's a theatre. That's why we love it. You know, you don't always win. You do have the downtimes and you build resilience and I love the comeback. I love the fight back. And I think right now... Um, for all sports businesses, not just here in New Zealand, but it's a great challenge for every sports business around the world. You have to put the fan at the centre of every decision. You know, quite often we, we sit in the towers, we sit behind the desks, and we don't consider the fan when we make decisions. That has to change. The fans are number one. If you don't have them, it's a slippery slope. Fantasy sports is a big driver of content and commercial opportunities in other sports. 
uh, as a game, does rugby union have that potential to cash in like, say, the NRL, the AFL or uh, other American sports? I think it does if it tweaks a little bit about what it does and what it pushes out. So, you know, basketball is obviously a, a, a huge game with fantasy around the world. Football is as well. You know, in Australia, AFL, NRL have capitalised on this market um, in huge ways. And I think that uh, it's something that needs to be explored uh, here uh, very, very quickly. I think rugby definitely has the opportunity to do it. But it also means, you know, opening up avenues to GPS data, um, you know, looking at stats that engage with people and how they're going to best be followed in games. Because there's a lot of people who go to a game or switch on a TV and, and watch a game, and they're not overly, especially the younger generation, they're not overly watching a team. They're watching players. And the reason they're connecting and watching those players is because there's a fantasy element to it. They get to be the coach for a day. They get to pick their team. They get to trade players in and out. They get to put players on the bench and decide who's going to be captain. And they get to win the rewards of those players that they've selected in their team playing really, really well and, uh, and you know, achieving. So it's a different mindset these days. It's not just about being tribal to a team or to a colour or to a region or a background or that's who my family went for. Quite often now, people are becoming tribal about a sport, about a game, because they're attached to it from a fantasy perspective. It's big business. It's huge business. And definitely right here in New Zealand, uh, there's some ways to go. And I think the um, the market here is ready for it. I think they want it. Okay, so uh, you've been mentioned you've been travelling around, you've been consulting with people, uh, asking and, and just observing and, and that sort of thing. What what is uh, what next is on the agenda then to, to put uh, this into place, Justin? Well, I, I think it's about getting out and talking about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important that that we make it a part of the conversation. Now, whether that comes from me, and, and this is a space in an area that I, I work in, in, in in everyday life, so I'm pretty passionate about it, as you can tell. Um, and I've been there and, and, and been a part of it through, you know, the journey and, and, you know, certainly more recently basketball here. Uh, but I think it's got to become a part of the conversation. And if I can help make it a part of the conversation and it leads to, you know, sports exploring further um, you know, fan immersion and, and making fans the centre of every decision that's made. We're going to see these exciting things uh, develop and uh, and come about. I mean, if I could pick up the top 30, 40 sports administrators in New Zealand, put them on a plane and take them to America uh, and see and feel and smell uh, and, and meet um, you know, a lot of the people that, that I've met over the last 10 years in the States, because they're the best, Smithy, the, the, the United States, the Americans are the best worldwide when it comes to the business of sport. You know, I'd love to take the top administrators from New Zealand over there and, and see what goes on because, I, you know, I think there's a lot to learn, but it starts with being a part of the conversation and hopefully I can help do that. Justin Nelson, absolutely fantastic talking to you. I love the concept because I, for one, even as a broadcaster, I don't like the look of all those empty yellow seats at Wellington Stadiums and uh, it just doesn't get it. And uh, I know what it's like to be at good sporting events and I know what it's like to be um, not at good sporting events. And uh, the latter, unfortunately, is becoming a little bit too too much dominant. So, look, hey, thank you for that. Um, Intriguing. I look forward to, to seeing how it goes and... Uh, if you've got a spare seat on that plane, I'm with you, man. <laughs> hey, look, I appreciate it. And, 
you know, I guess the top message there is if we allow fans to be passive, if we don't talk to them and create excitement and get them involved in conversations 365 days of the year, if they become passive, uh, you know, the seats do become empty and uh, and the TVs, you know, can be switched off and, and they go off and do other things. So it's really important we focus on uh, making and bringing our, our fans into the conversation and, and returning to tribalism. You create tribalism, they're with you every step of the way. They love it. It's, it's the theatre and, uh, and they want to be a part of it. Fans are screaming out for attention. They want to be in the middle of it. Justin Nelson, thank you very much for your time. Absolutely Cheers, fascinating to, to hear your thoughts on that, and I totally agree. Cheers, man. Thank you. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 11.27 here on SENZ, and every Friday at this time, we uh, like to delve a little deeper into the greyhound racing industry and meet uh, lots of people and personalities who are heavily involved in different aspects of it. And today, I'm pleased to say we're welcoming to the show Erica Madison. Now, Erica, uh, welcome, and uh, Erica, you um, are involved in the Great Mates Rehoming Program for Greyhounds. Can you tell us a wee bit about that, please? Yes, I am. Um, so I work for the Great Mates Rangiora uh, base under uh, Callum Weir and May Cutler. So basically what we do is we take dogs in from all over New Zealand into our kennels, we de-sex them, uh, we vaccinate dental and then we assess them with small dogs and then push them into the rehoming agencies. So how 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 easy is it? I mean, for when you get a greyhound to the point where you can get it rehomed, how, how long would it normally take? Is there an average time? Um, to be fair, it doesn't take that long um, because they come from trainers' places who, and the dogs are obviously really loved and well handled. So to be fair, we don't have to do a whole lot with them. There is some dogs who we need to do a little bit of extra behaviour work with, but it, they're not hard dogs to work with. <laughs> okay, so uh, how long have you been involved in it? Um, I've been involved for two years now. What's the best part of it for you, from your point of view? Um, everything. The you know you get to go work with dogs. We've got a kennel of twenty here. Um, mm-hmm. So my co-workers are dogs. I get to spend all the time with the dogs. Um, meeting new people in the industry. That's the rehoming industry and the race industry. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. It's a really fun job. So um, how many people involved in in your operation or in operations throughout the country? Would you know, Eric? Eric are doing these things. Um, so we, I think there's two uh, great mates bases down south. Um, I'm not too sure there could be two or three up north, um, but there is only three of us on site here at Great Mates Rangiora, so we're a really tight knit team. But we work closely uh, with the rehoming agencies, uh, which is Night Raves, Mayhounds, Kiwi Kiwi, and Gap. So you know we know everyone, and we all work together to get these dogs into homes. So who have been the inspirations uh, for you to get involved in this? I mean, is this something you, you know, when, when you, you know, looked at uh, things to do in life, I mean, this is a pretty rare sort of thing to get into. What inspired you to get into it and who's been your influences as such? Um, so I would not, you know, five years ago, I would not be thinking I'm doing the Greyhounds. Um, but I studied, I, do, I did some vet nurse training and then I got qualified as a veterinary technician and I couldn't find a job. And then I saw Callum and May post on Facebook that they're looking for a worker. Um, and they took me on board basically straight away. Um, and they have taught me everything I need to know about the breed, everything I need to know about the dogs. Um, my parents have played a big part as well because they've always been um, into the rural livestock 
kind of scene. So they've pushed me into working outside and then this job coming up has just been absolutely perfect for me. So what's the most rewarding thing for you, uh, Erica? Is, is it um, watching them? I mean, I guess you, you you strike up a pretty quick friendship with some of these dogs. So saying goodbye would be mm. a bit tough, but realising that they're going on to better and nicer things? Yes, it's definitely bit, it's definitely bit, bittersweet, sorry. Um, they come in and you form these like, amazing bonds with these dogs, but then they go out within maybe two weeks to a month, and it's really heartbreaking, but it's cool seeing them on the community Facebook pages of them, you know, with their new families and with kids, living with cats, with small dogs. So it's really awesome to see. You're also um, an owner now, is that right? Are you into the racing side of things yes. as well? Yes, I dabble in the racing a wee bit. Um, I'm definitely still a rookie, but um, me and my flatmates went in on a couple of dogs we got. Um, Matt Roberts is training them for us. Um, so we got two Dinah Alwyn and Jada the Fear Pups. Uh, they mm. are trialling at the moment, and by the sounds of it, they're trialling pretty good. So I'm pretty stoked with that. And, uh, of course, uh, when their racing season's retired, you'll, you'll look to rehome them, or you'll keep them y- yourself, yes. uh, being the, your own oh. dog. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the tricky bit. Do I rehome them, or do I keep them myself? Um, depending on my living situation, if I can have room for about 10 dogs, then I'd happily take 10 dogs. But at the moment, I've only got mm. one, but <laughs> I'd love to take them. You know, uh, I've pe- uh, speak to a, a person in the Rayhound, a Greyhound racing industry every Friday, and it seems to me that they've mm-hmm. all got one thing in common. They've got, they've got great fellowship around the industry. And your, I mean, your part is, I guess, it's the last stage of that when you, when you're looking to rehome mm-hmm. the dogs they've been owning and training, etc. But it seems the fellowship is, it, it seems pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. No, I um, I kept my head down for about a year in the rehoming, um, and then. I started doing a little bit of handling or going to track to pick up dogs and now my entire friendship group is all trainers and handlers. Um, everyone I know, everyone I associate with, it's all part of the racing industry and I love it. So what advice would you give to anyone looking to become in- involved in the industry, whether it's uh, in your side of it or other aspects of it? How do you, how do you go about it? And, and the other, more importantly, how, how do I adopt the dog? Um, so getting into the industry, um, I would say going, even just the uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand Facebook page, um, getting in contact with some handlers that you find, some trainers, asking to do some volunteer work, uh, just coming down to the track and meeting people. Um, and for adopting a dog, you would, mm. the first thing I'd do is I'd actually go and meet a Greyhound, to be fair, you don't really need to meet one because they're amazing dogs. Um, and you can speak to Kiwi Kiwi, uh, Night Rave, Mayhounds or Gap, go through an adoption questionnaire and then they will have a meet and greet with you and the dog and see if the dog's a perfect fit for you. See, to me, I mean, and I'm a dog owner, of, of, but not greyhounds, um, but I, I will say, greyhounds to me, I look at a greyhound and I think, exercised. Greyhounds need exercise because that's what they're all about. Um, do I have to be a relatively fit young person to adopt a greyhound or, or do they require that kind of ex- level of exercise post-racing? Oh, God, absolutely not. That's a common misconception that a lot of people mm. talk to me when I'm out and about and they say, oh, I want a greyhound, but the exercise levels. And I have to explain to them, like, no, they're not endurance dogs. They're 17-second dogs, a lot of them. Um they are couch potatoes. I, I reckon they're perfect. They're, they're, they are the perfect fit for young families with kids, not, many, not much time, older, 
older people, again, with not much time on their hands to walk, I reckon they need a half-hour walk a day. And they're, they're zonked. They're out for sleeping for 20 hours during the day. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah, definitely couch potatoes don't need a lot of exercise. I speak to a lot of people who don't sound that enthusiastic about their jobs, uh, Erica, but I've got to say, in your voice, you sound pretty into this. Oh, I love it. It's like tunnel vision from the first day I started. Uh, Erica Madison, it's been great getting to know you. Uh, fantastic work that you do uh, behind the scenes in the greyhound industry. Nice to know that, that all these dogs are getting great homes and you're responsible for that. So good luck to you at uh, Greyhound Rehoming and uh, the Rangiora base and we'll catch up again at some stage. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. See you later. Yeah, cheers, uh, Erica Madison there. What a, a bubbly young lady and uh, obviously just absolutely loves what she's doing. Got a great affinity uh, with those greyhounds uh, post their racing time. It is 11.35 here. I know we're uh, five minutes late for uh, Stump Smithy, but we've got 100 bucks up for grabs if you want to call us. We have. Uh, Brian will be taking the calls this morning. He'll also be the quiz master. So that is Stump Smithy, 0800 150 $100 from the TAB. Here's Araha with our 11.35 update. 14.76am in Auckland. This is SENZ. Through to Wellington, periods of rain. Marlborough, Nelson, Buller, Westland. Heavy falls continue. Canterbury, cloudy, scattered rain. Otago, partly cloudy with a few showers. The Warriors take on the Cowboys tonight and the NRL join Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp for the live commentary from 7 on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, one of the best to ever do it. Now it is that time. It's time for Stumped by Smithy. Your chance to uh, win $100 worth of bonus bets today. The game where we will accept Googleese, but no Googleen. Now, uh, you all pretty much know how the game works. Today, we have our three callers loaded up. Smithy, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. Had a day off yesterday, so I uh, read encyclopedias all night, Brian, to be fair. Hardly got any sleep, just banking up on my knowledge. What are the categories, just to see if I haven't wasted my time? Yeah, no, no. So the categories we have today are rugby, cricket, and tennis. And first up, we have Brett from Huntley, the old mate Brett. Uh, come in, Brett. You there, mate? Got it, Brian. Smithy. Yeah. Yep, uh, Morena to you, uh, Brett, uh, and all the very best on this uh, jolly Friday. Okay, question one, Brian, let's line us up here. Yeah, yeah sweet. So what is the category you'd like to go with, Brett? Uh, I'll take footy, I'll take rugby. Take rugby, all right, here we go. First question. The last time the Ramfilly Shield was won by a single point was in 2020. Who beat Canterbury that day? Southland. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ah, uh, through to the keeper. Over to you, Smithy. Waikato. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So, 2020, the Canterburians came up and took it off Taranaki. Taranaki. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Right, okay. Uh, question two. Question two. The All Blacks have played 103 test matches against South Africa. How many of those have they drawn? Oh, four. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Mate, was it? Right in the slot. Yeah. And away it goes. Four. New Zealand have won 61 and lost 38. Was that a guess or did you know that, Brett? 
No, I knew that one. Mate. Okay. Hey, how you just tuck that knowledge away. Some of our listeners are amazing, mate. Uh, it's in one of those ones in the bottom of a space bottle cap. It's <laughs> probably where, uh, where our big loads got it from then, eh? Hey, uh, final yes. final question for uh, the $100 bonus bet. Tuesday was All Black number 1164 Matt Duffy's birthday. He played two games for the All Blacks on the end of year tour in what year? Oh. Matt Duffy. Uh, from Melbourne, eh? Melbourne. Yeah, form, former Storm. Yeah. Uh, uh, 2000 and. 16. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket and it's field. through to the keeper. Oh, I tell you what, I reckon you're really close. I've got no idea about this, but I, I think you play for North Harbour as well. Um, I've, I've got a sneaking suspicion you're very, very close, so I've got to choose either side of that. Was it five years ago? Was it seven years ago? Matt Duffy. I'll go 2015, seven years ago. One of the worst things oh, I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. You would have been right if you had have gone the five. Oh, God. 2017, Barbarians in London. And he played the French 15 in Lyon. Yep. But uh, that and means you you're... French 15 game. Yeah, you're the winner. <laughs> oh. You won 100 bucks, Brett from Huntley, my friend. Uh, congratulations. Um, out of my stupidity, you are the benefactor this time around. So, hey, t- have a terrific weekend, mate. Have a, a really cool weekend and... Uh, we'll catch up uh, next time you call in and uh, just stay on the line and um, Brian will get those details from you. will get that money to you as soon as possible, eh? Good luck if uh, Izzy Dag catches up with you this afternoon, mate. Look, uh, hey, yeah, Izzy Dag on his salary. Be, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. He'll, to be honest with you, I, I don't think he'll front up. To be fair, he's, he's a lot of the, uh, there's a lot of the bravado about old Izzy, as you people well know that listen in the morning. But when it comes to fronting up, I'll be very surprised to be halfway down about the third hole. I would imagine at Bridge Par at the moment, basking in his own glory. I don't think he'll front up at the pub, but we'll wait and see. Cheers, well, it's just to call him up with Dad. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely right. I'll tell you what I envision of that. I could see them in the, uh, that chemist warehouse shop in Hastings, and he looked very sheepish with his, ma- his old man and his sister alongside him. I'll tell you what, he, he didn't look the same old as he looks every morning, I can promise you. He's a good man. So he is, Smithy. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Cheers, Brett. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Uh, Brett from Huntley is our winner today, $100. We'll be back very, very shortly uh, to speak some harness racing. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Changing uh, in terms of New Zealand cricket, of course, with COVID, no one was able to go anywhere, but seven players with senior international experience have been named in the New Zealand A men's cricket squad for their tour to India in September, or just next month. Headlining the squad are recent black caps, uh, Richin Ravindra. What's happened to him? Dane Cleaver, Mark Chapman, Jacob Duffy and Michael Rippon. Uh, Tom Bruce, who has played uh, 17 T20 internationals, has been named as the co-captain alongside Auckland's Robbie O'Donnell. Uh, the latter is one of five with a chance to represent New Zealand A for the first time alongside Chad Bowes, Matt Fisher, Ben Lister and Joe Walker. And Wellington pace bowler, this is an interesting selection, uh, Logan Van Beek returns after stints with the Netherlands with the ICC eligi- eligibility rules allowing him to play for both sides concurrently. The red and white ball matches are all against the India A. 
will be the first time a New Zealand A-side has played overseas since the 2018 tour to the UAE to play Pakistan A. New Zealand A last toured India in uh, 2017, and this match will feature a similar structure with three four-day matches and three one-day matches in Bangalore and in Chennai. And we just heard about the, the boxing in the news where uh, Anthony Joshua is uh, challenging again this weekend. Uh, he's the underdog. Well, former WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder will return to the ring against uh, Finland's Robert Hellenius on October the 15th, his first fight since the completion of his trilogy against Tyson Fury last year. The American, who at this stage is 42-2-1, was stopped in the 11th round by Fury in Las Vegas for a second straight loss to the Briton, who retained his WBC heavyweight title. Their first fight in December 2018, of course, remember, ended in a relatively controversial draw. It's been a long journey for me, he said, and uh, as of today, it continues. The 36-year-old who honoured with his statue in his hometown of uh, Tuscaloosa in Alabama earlier this year said in a statement, I thought so many times about whether I should stay out of the business or come back. Once I got my statue in my hometown and I saw so many people arrive and celebrate with me, it made me feel like my job was not done. The fight will take place at the Brooklyn's Barclays Centre. The setting for Walter's knockout wins against uh, Dominic Brazali, Luis Ortiz and Bermain Stavern. Helenius is 31-3 and three from his side of it. Uh, last fought on the card of the third Fury Walter kite uh, fight, uh, securing a sixth-round win against Poland's Adam Kolnaki. So uh, that is uh, good news for you Deontay Wilder fans. Certainly he's a big presence in the ring. It is uh, 11.50, coming up 11.51 here on SENZ. We'll catch up with Stephen McIver uh, before we uh, head into uh, an afternoon with Stephen throughout uh, between 12 and 4 uh, and plenty of content uh, which we'll find out about very shortly. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um... Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.